Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode, episode 92 of the Sin Beef Podcast. Uh, I am your main host, uh, one of your hosts, the only original host that is here, but that's okay. We got some some good company tonight um, from the NFW commentaries, the Two Drink Minimum commentaries, and the Tattoo Podcast, the Wild Man Willis. How you doing, sir? What's going on, peeps? How are you, buddy? I'm fine. I can't complain. At all. That's good, man. And also with us for the very first time ever, and I've been, uh, this has been a long time coming, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I get lazy as a, as a podcaster, and I get, I get frustrated, but mostly because of scheduling difficulties with my regular co-host, but here we are, uh, he is from the podcast known as They Must Be Destroyed On Sight, known for the, from that great line from, uh, The Superior 78 Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lee Russell, how are you, sir? I'm great, Gary. Uh, honored to finally be on the show, and uh, it was a bit of a long time coming kind of thing, but uh, I totally understand scheduling difficulties because that's just been the story of my entire summer so far with my podcast. So, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's nice to finally be here. Well, when you got multiple folks with multiple schedules, it's, 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 it's not really to blame to say, okay, you guys are, mm. are working, or you guys are too tired to participate, or have social lives like okay that that that's fan you know <laughs> yeah but alas we're here to record episode 92 which is going to be a doozy i got a feeling but um <laughs> lee you know this works you've listened to the show before i'll ask you now what have you been watching lately yeah uh, i got two things i'll mention i guess real quick um i was sort of, i've sort of been trying to dig through stuff in the 1970s i haven't watched uh, before so i checked out the last detail from 1973 directed by hal ashby are you familiar with that film i know the poster and i think i think i have it in my voodoo library but i haven't watched it yet yeah jack nicholson in the sailor cap yes <laughs> yeah but it's a really cool uh, it's one of these movies where nothing happens yet it's like totally engaging and you can't stop watching it it's basically just Jack Nicholson and Otis Young as um, basically uh, lifers in the in the Marine are in the Navy, and they're part of the shore patrol. So they're they're tasked with escorting uh, a very young and not insane Randy Quaid to uh, to basically jail for a trumped up charge on a uh, very minor offense, and he's going to go away for eight years. But they take a liking to him, so they decide to get him drunk and get him laid on the week they have to escort him to jail. So uh, they take their time, and uh, it's just a bunch of really great performances. And I really, really loved it the first time I watched it. It's going to be on my best of the year list for stuff I've watched this year for the first time. So, Yeah, there's so much Nicholson stuff that I haven't seen. It's not even funny. It's just... And as long as my arm, you know, in the, in the quality stuff, I hear it too, like five five easy pieces I haven't seen. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of this stuff, so it'd be fun yeah, to explore all that. And this is before he became like a caricature of himself, you know, where he started just big, basically banking on being crazy Nicholson. I, so he's, I, he's, I, just, I just keep watching The Departed. I can't help these things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I will argue in The Departed, he steps away from that and like kind of starts acting again. For, oh, yeah. For so, so that's really good stuff. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. And the other one I just watched uh, recently, this is a revisit after having not watched it for about 30 years, I'd say. Uh, Outland from 1981. Uh, Peter Hyams film with uh, Sean Connery and uh, Peter Boyle and Francis uh, Steenha- Steenhagen or Sternhagen. Um, 
it's basically just a. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this one. It's basically just a remake of High Noon in Outer Space. Essentially. Oh, I've seen it. It's great. Yeah, uh, I love it. Like to call it a remake of High Noon in Outer Space is actually kind of shortchanging it because again, like the performances are really great in this one, and uh, I just I'm just so depressed that people don't have the respect for Peter Boyle as the character actor he was back in the 70s and 80s. The, people just seem to forget that he's not just the grandfather on everyone loves Raymond, you know, it's just, uh, he's just kind of a forgotten like character actor and one of the best ones of that period. And, uh, it's, it's a great story. It, it feels the, the movie feels like it's, it's set right in the alien universe because it obviously just rips off all the visual cues and, uh, <laughs> all the aesthetics of alien. And it, and it feels like it could be in that same universe. It's just no xenomorphs running around eating people. We, we we will do Joe one day, and then I guess we'll we'll see how Peter Boyle's colors tr- truly fly in that movie. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy Joe, and uh, I, I I watched Hardcore last year with George C. Scott. He's in that movie. He's pretty great in there too. And um, mm-hmm. Friends of Eddie Coyle. He's yes. also really great. I watched that this year as well. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, love that film. Oh, boy. But yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Okay, uh, Wild Man. Well, that just came from seeing it. And man, they did what they needed to do with this movie to make you forget about the original miniseries because those kids in this movie, man, they were amazing. Nice. Good to hear. And Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, he was creepy as all get out. Because he was drooling and all kind of shit when he was talking. He was just <laughs> salivating to get a hold of those children and eat them. And they did not shy away from showing them kids get fucked up big time. <laughs> they was not scared at all to show no kids get hurt up. So I was glad about that. Especially in the beginning of the movie with the whole sewer scene. He was just creepy, creepy as hell. And I heard some people complain about it being jokey at times, but you gotta understand, little kids is gonna joke about stuff because they have no filter. Because that's just the way they are. So they actually let the kids be how we was when we was coming up because I know we was probably cussing up a storm when we wasn't around our parents. So... They just, it was just, I enjoyed it. I I recommend everybody to go see it. But the only problem about the movie to me is when they do the second chapter with the adults, it's going to be who they choose to play the adult version of the kids and how their chemistry going to pull off with each other because the chemistry with the kids in this movie, they, you could see how they could be friends in real life in this movie so all y'all want to go support this after being disappointed from the dark tower this movie will make up for that disappointment big time well as long as they don't bring back seth green to play richie tozier as an adult i'm okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah we don't need any little easter eggs like that i don't think it's like hey look i was in the original movie (laughs) No, no i don't need that uh, that, that's that's a that's a weird criticism. Uh, uh, if you if you're saying people are criticizing the kids for being jokey, I mean that's right directly from the novel, really. 
I mean, that that kind of stuff's right in the text. So I, I don't know what people would be complaining about there. I, th- I think people are just looking for things to complain about these days. But. Right, right. And what else I've been watching? I've been watching the new Spider-Man cartoon on. It's pretty interesting. I mean, it's not as good as Spectacular Spider-Man. Nothing will will top that in the 90s. But it's a pretty decent start so far. And I watched the Mae Young Classic. Anybody that likes real wrestling and not all that hokey pokey stuff that they do on WWE sometimes and want to see really good women wrestle from all around the world and you can actually get invested in their characters for the little time that you get to know them, go check it out on the network. Oh yeah, what's her name there? Uh, Carrie Sane with the big, that, that awesome elbow drop? Yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully I don't know who's going to win the tournament because that other girl that with Ronda Rousey and them, Shannon Baszler, that's a scary looking broad. And she <laughs> looked like she she has no cut cards at all. She looked like she gonna try to hurt up Kyrie saying if she get a hold of her. So I wanna see how that match is gonna be. So that's it for me. Oh boy. <clears throat> Since the last time we recorded I watched I watched a bunch of stuff, but one of the ones that stood out for me and if you guys are a fan of this, you had any doubt of seeing the second one, go check out Goon, Last of the Enforcers, because I've watched it four times already, and it, it not like it keeps getting better every time I've seen it, but the second time I watched it, it did get better than the first time I watched it. Um, I keep hearing that's a good movie, yeah. Yeah, but if you like the first one, like most of the people from the first movie are back in the second movie, and um, hmm. it, it really has like a Rocky Three vibe to it, to where in the uh. beginning he gets pummeled by this... this uh, this other guy and the other team that happens to be the son of the the owner of, of the Halifax Highlanders and <laughs> he um he he has to he, he has to quit and get a regular job because his wife is pregnant now and I guess it's time to hang up the skates. But he, he finds uh Ross the Boss Ray again, who's uh his rival from the first movie, but they're they're, they're friends now. He he essentially is his, is his Apollo Creed uh. to teach him how to fight with his left hand rather than his right hand. You know? <laughs> And it's really enjoyable. It's, it's it's funny. Sean William Scott needs to be humble. He's not like mm-hmm. a jackass, like you know, as Steve Stifler. And I appreciate that in, in him to to show his chops as an actor. And I want to give too much away, but the end of the movie basically tells you that there's not going to be another one. And it's kind of perfect if, if you really enjoy that first one. The ending is kind of perfect, mm. and uh, it's it's a fitting ending to to the 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 two movies and. I, I appreciate that, so check that out. And uh, I'm on that Lee of Schreiber train. I've been really enjoying him stuff lately. I watched, I've started Ray Donovan. That I've watched the whole first season so far, and I think it's one of the best shows that that's not on network TV. It comes on Showtime, and but um, so watch it there by more nefarious means. E- either way, check it out. <laughs> John John Boyd's really great on there. Uh, the guys that play his brothers, who I've, I've seen and stuff, but I can't really recall where they've been in. You get uh, Stephen Bauer is an actor people might know. Uh, he played uh, Tony Montana's um, confidant in, in Scarface, his buddy. And oh, yeah, right, right. He acted a ton in the 80s, but not so much prominent in the 90s, but he plays Ray Donovan's right-hand man on, on that show, and it's pretty great on there. Hmm. So I, I recommend checking out Ray Donovan. That's a pretty great TV show. 
But um, out of the stuff that I, I would not recommend, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have caught um, Little Evil on Netflix. No, I I saw. Hmm, I'm, I'm I'm not even a big fan of the Omen to start with. So it's like, do I really want to see a parody of that? Mm, it's it's, maybe it's not. not so much a parody. You know, there's little comedy stuff in there. Yeah, but this is, comes from the people that made Tucker and Dale versus Eva, which is a film that I love. Yeah, I so, love that film. So you would expect more of the same, you know, as as far as like that kind of writing and that kind of acting. But you you get kind of like that if you like the actor Adam Scott from Parks and Recreation and um, Get Down and Step Brothers. He's been in a bunch of stuff. And um, I want to say I want to say Wet Hot American Summer. But I don't like that show or, or movie, so I don't I don't remember if he was in it or not. Hmm. But um, you like that kind of dry Adam Scott humor and a kid trying his best to to be evil, but then he's not evil, and then Clancy Brown shows up doing stuff. <laughs> take 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 ninety minutes and watch Little Evil on Netflix. It's 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 okay. It's not great. Um, and leave me you 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 follow my letterbox. Uh, some of you have discussed. Yeah. Batman and Harley Quinn. Yeah, I, I don't want to ruin it for Willis, but you know, what's what's your general thoughts on it, sir? I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I I think maybe where we kind of differed is that you found it maybe a bit too jokey to a certain degree. Where I kind of liked it, I, I felt like the tone worked. Like it, it's more of a callback to the original animated series, and with Harley Quinn in there, it's going to be a bit more wacky and off the wall. And as a showcase for that character, I think it works fairly well, except for who they have voice acting it. I that's, think kind that's of that's a problem, and that, that's yeah, a, that, that's that's where you, Andrea Romano. If you don't know who that is, she's been vo- voice director for the DC animated stuff since way back in the day. Whether whether it's Batman the animated series or Animaniacs or any of those shows, she, or in all these movies, pretty much, she was the voice director for for these actors. And she is not present because she she has retired now, respectively. She yeah. long fucking career. So I I got no no beef there at all. Trust mm. me. But it it shows because you got you got Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester doing what do, doing what they do as Batman and Robin because they've been doing it for years mm-hmm. and years. But you get the new people in there like like Melissa Rauch, who most people know from Big Bang Theory as Bernadette, doing the voice of Harley. And it's just grating. Like, yeah, like, the only. Ahead, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. The only time it works is when she's doing that cover of uh, "Hanging on the Telephone." That's pretty much. That's a, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Shaking her titties at the crowd, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they 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 tried to keep it decidedly adult in certain ways as well, going with the sort of theme of the recent sort of DC animated films. Yeah. But at the same time, they make it jokey, and then they have that. Uh, and and I fell for this too. I mean, this was just total fan service stuff but that bar for all the uh, goons of yeah from the, from the animated series i love that i i i, I marked out for that they, shit, they so. put some deep cuts in there I, I i don't recall who was actually in the bar but if you're mm-hmm. a batman fan you're gonna spot a couple of deep cuts in there and you know yeah. as far as villains go so i i always respect him for doing that but she, she is just awful and she is one of your, your titular characters of this movie and <laughs> that that's that that's that's bothersome to me but, you know, one of my favorite Batman shows was Batman the Brave and the Bold. I think it's my second favorite Batman show as far as the animated stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Because, but those were funny episodes in, like, 15-minute increments. This was, like, 75 minutes, so you could either take it or leave it. Yeah. I really enjoyed um, 
what's the the Swamp Thing bad guy's name? I forget now. That that whole oh, plot. yeah, the the for, the Formic Man or whatever the S- something like that. But it's him and yeah. him and Ivy causing trouble. They want to make the whole world into to to uh, basically Alan Moore's vision of Swamp Thing, which is the whole fucking world is plants. You know? Yeah. <laughs> In, yeah, in, a, in, a really, turn, in a really comedic way, of course, you know. Yeah, they want to turn the entire world into a Brussels sprout, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good enough. I, I think I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. And uh, if, if you want to sit and watch it, 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 it plays. And then there's a bumper that I think is uh, at the very at the end of the credits that I think is probably one of the most entertaining parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So stick around for the credits. Because uh, you get one little little scene in the middle of the credits or, you know, they light somebody on fire and it's hilarious. And you get a more <laughs> hilarious scene at the very, very end. So stick around for after the credits, people. Yeah. Um, besides that, is there anything else of note that I have watched that's worth talking about? I don't think so right now because I've been meaning to get this stuff. But I really haven't really gotten anything. A lot of rewatches because I, I watch stuff in the background while I edit and it's just on, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um... This is the the segment now where people air their grievances out just like we're hanging out at Festivus or something called the Beef Bitches and Mashed Potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order fries. Who gets the beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? What is your, uh, anything pissing you off this week, brother? Um, well, I, I did see, like, I, I'm just kind of tired of seeing, and I, I don't really engage too much into, like, online, like, horror talk and forums and stuff like that, but what little I do, I just saw too many people, like, giving, uh, what's his name there, Silva, the Jeepers Creepers guy, uh, giving him a pass, like, I don't think he should be making films anymore, honestly, uh, so... But that's just kind of a minor little beef. I was just like, I, I was just kind of getting more tired of the discussion and the arguments more than anything else. So that was kind of pissing me off. Um, but I, maybe the big thing, and this is this is more just me being kind of a lazy, bad cinema fan more than anything else, I think. It's probably more my problem than the films I've been watching. But lately I've noticed everything on Netflix that comes from like Korea or somewhere else in uh, East Asia Almost all the movies now, no matter what the genre are, they're like two and a half hours long. And I'm just finding a lot of these really hard to sit through. And I'm usually not a person who has trouble sitting through long films. But lately, I've just been like, I'll look at the runtime of something. I'll go, oh, uh, here, here's that film everyone was talking about, The Wailing. Oh, it's two and a half hours long. I might pass on that. Uh, I just I just immediately get tired seeing the actual run times for these and uh, there's all these martial arts films and stuff that are on Netflix right now that are like two and a half hours long or something along those lines and I'm like you don't need your martial arts movie to be that long I, I just don't understand so maybe that's just me maybe I'm in the wrong here but, <laughs> but that's that's basically it well, that was Asian action film Shiger for like that, that, that epic feel like of the old time and yeah like don't know if that's Mr. Takashi Miike, but that 13 Assassins remake he made mm-hmm. is, is a bit long. It is a little long, yeah. But he tries to go for that that epic feel, that epic you know story, and he wants to get it all in there, and I respect that, but 
I, I think American, that one. I'm sorry. I think that one. I'm sorry. I think that one pays off though at the end. Though. It does. What, it does. <laughs> yeah. But as an American like viewer, like a, your average person who either will sit there and read subtitles or won't read the, the subtitles, even though they're the ones that do, would rather sit there for an hour and, and forty minutes and read subtitles, and mm-hmm. not for two and a half hours, because I, I can imagine that trying to watch the film and reading the subtitles, which could sometimes be very small on the screen. Right. If you're squinting as it is trying to read the subtitles and watch the content of the film, could be a little grating for two and a half hours. Yeah, it's just it's just tiring. It's like usually I don't get tired out by long movies, but when it comes to something that long where I have to read the subtitles, and I mean, uh, it, that's the only option for me. I'm not going to listen to a dubbed audio track. I just I can't do that. So, um, yeah, if, if you if you have a two two and a half hour long film that is ostensibly a martial arts film that doesn't need to be that long. I'm just probably going to be exhausted by the end of it. I'll, I'll probably fall asleep halfway through it if I'm reading subtitles. It's just, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, man. Well, one of my beefs I got, I just recently watched Shin Godzilla. It took me twice to watch that movie because the first time I watched it, it was boring as shit. And I finally watched it in bits and pieces while trying to come home from work for about a week and a half. And I finally watched it from beginning to end. And I don't see why anybody complained about the 2014 Godzilla movie. Because in Shin Godzilla, he do just as much as he do in the 2014 movie. So... I don't understand why people complain about, well, that, that Godzilla was only in the movie for 20, 20 minutes. And this one, he's only in the movie for 20 minutes. If you ever watched the original Godzilla, he's only in the movie for 20 minutes. A lot of the Godzilla movies that they make, he is only in the movie for about 20 or 30 minutes. Most of the time, it's the damn humans talking or fighting Aliens in little cheap costumes, a little Marvel girl singing or being captured. I don't understand the logic. People act like they never actually sat and watched a Godzilla movie before and complain about, oh, every time the good stuff happened, they cut away. They did that in the old movies. So I think people just don't understand what they watching. It's just a damn shame. And my other beef, fuck Roman Reigns. That's it. <laughs> I, I knew it was gonna come up. I knew it. It's been a while since Willis has been on this show, so yeah. <laughs> Willis always, always always takes a chance to take a jab at the uh, coattail riding Samoan motherfucker known as Roman, Roman Reigns. I'm so glad John Cena been blasting his ass on TV the last couple of weeks. Even though the second one was script, but that second, that first one when. <laughs> Roman fucked up and said shuffle and he was trying to get his word out and John Cena said you the big dog the only way you gonna um, be able to be the top guy is if you learn how to cut a promo I was dying laughing that's yeah. that's that's the moment when you can see Roman's heart just break that and when <laughs> Cena told him he said if you was doing your job I wouldn't be here <laughs> <laughs> Snap. Even though we all know at the fucking No Mercy pay-per-view, Roman is going to beat John Cena. So, 
that's just basically going to prove John Cena's point that he's the most protected man in the back. He said that in the beginning of the first promo. So, to me, it's a lose-lose situation for Roman Reigns. If he don't beat John Cena in about two or three minutes and have a long match with him, he basically proving John Cena's point. If he lose, then that might help him a little bit. But if I heard what they've been saying that maybe Undertaker might be coming back. If Undertaker comes back, that basically kills anything they did at the end of WrestleMania this year for Roman beating him and saying he retired him. So yeah, I don't if, understand the point. Man, if, if, if Taker comes back, that'll be that'll just be sad. Uh, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it either. They need to just stop bullshitting and put the belt on Braun Strowman and be done with it. That's but, my beef for the day. Again, Braun, Braun can't cut no promo either, so that's... Uh, uh, promos are bad. He cuts a better promo than fucking Roman Reigns. That's true. Yep. <laughs> but I, I don't think, like you said, the, he'll, he'll lose, Willis, like you said, because I think Cena has enough respect for the business to say, okay, I'm doing this and I'm doing other stuff, so I don't really want a title. To, to, to where, you know, you have uh, the biggest part-timer of the business, Mr. Brock Lesnar, just holding <laughs> on to that thing like nobody's business. Yep. Yep, but, hell, at least I'd rather have him being a part-timer and showing up once in a while than having your universal champion on there every week losing in random tag team matches and shit. <laughs> Like they did to damn Kevin Owens when he had a damn belt. Oh, God. Um, yeah, my beef is almost the same as Lee's about the Victor Salva thing. Just And I, I don't I don't endorse pedophiles, you know, but there are other pedophiles working in Hollywood. Well, ale- alleged pedophiles. If you, if you believe everything that Corey Feldman and Elijah Wood tell you, they'll probably tell you that half of, Hollywood's are, half of Hollywood are pedophiles. I don't know how true that is. <coughs> Brian Singer? <laughs> yeah, there you, there you go. Yeah, that guy. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 people saw Jeepers Creepers one and two. They they sucked those movies' asses all, all the way through a mm. straw, if you will, and, and rightfully so. That they're, they're, they're decent movies, you know. They're I wouldn't right. call the I wouldn't call the first one great. I, I enjoy the second one more than the first one. And, um, <clears throat> but Victor Salva as a man is 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 a piece of shit, you know. But Roman Polanski as a man is a piece of shit too. But we still love Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's that weird argument of uh, trying to separate the art from the artist, and I don't know. I, I guess, <laughs> I guess maybe just Victor Salva hasn't made anything all that worth defending. I oh, guess I'm, I'm not. I'm not comparing Victor Salva to Roman Polanski. Yeah, no, but R- Roman Polanski's just chilling in, in Paris or something right now. Like, yep, not coming to these states because you know they're going to convict me. Yeah. Even after his his uh his accuser or his his whatever the one that he quote did unquote that, victim quote, quote unquote victim said they just just leave it be you know I'm gonna drop the charge yeah. like no we spent all this money on this and it's like okay you know drag it yeah. out <laughs> yeah it's 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 a weird it's a weird argument to get into because Polanski's just a fucked up dude I mean anyone would be if the Manson family killed your wife your pregnant wife at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I don't know, but um, I mean you you can't deny Polanski's impact on cinema and just his classic films. So I mean, 
people give him a pass, and I don't know, maybe morally that's a bad thing to do, but uh, I, I do sort of lean on the side of separating art from artist, and honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of those Jeepers Creepers films, and so maybe <clears throat> that's why I don't give Selva as much of as a pass. I mean, Kla- Klaus Kinski is a, is a horrible person. You yeah, know. that's a that's another good example there. Kinski, if if any, even half of what his daughters say is true. Yeah, yeah, that's just gross as fuck. But, but. his his body of work is is phenomenal. A lot of it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really strange for, to to root for these people and think about you know the the, the crap that they've done and. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll still watch some Kinski films. But I, I, I love the cover of The Great Silence on, on this podcast oh, one day. Oh yeah, Great Silence is great. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a that's the west that's a western in the snow that works. Not not, not mm-hmm. like not like the Hateful Eight, you know. Right. <laughs> I like the Hateful Eight, but I I can I can definitely understand the criticisms. And The Great Silence is way better than the Hateful Eight. Oh my God! Anything else that that's bothered me? Not much. I'm, I've actually been in a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> As of late, <laughs> um, hockey's coming back soon, so I'm I'm in a, I'm in a happy mood. But then again, the Bears start on Sunday, so I'm all ready for disappointment. People, I'm just gonna gonna hold it all in until say, yeah, let, let's let's see how they do this year. That, that's all. That's all I'll say. I'm 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 a terrible Canadian, so I don't care about hockey at all. <laughs> uh, well, well, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Although I'm one of those people that judge hockey fans on whether they like the Montreal Canadiens at all, you know, I and mean, if they say no, I say, man, okay, you know, 24 cups can't be wrong, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> oh my god, but, um, yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that, but, uh, t- tonight, uh, Lee brought me a film to watch, and I in turn added another film to that, but basically, the theme is p- people filming something around a place where they shouldn't have been filming, and, you know, chaos and savagery ensues. Both from 1985, we're going to do Blood Tracks. What, what, what country is this from again, Lee? This is from Sweden. This is from Sweden. Shot on video, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing Willis's thoughts on this. <laughs> and uh, Cut and Run, the, the Ruggiero Diodato film, uh, the guy that brought you Cannibal Holocaust and such, uh, starring the great Michael Berryman and... Mm. A lot, lot of, lot of, lot of uh, savage butts, and Karen Black <laughs> and Willie Ames, the hard ass. We'll get into all that later on, but um, I think uh, there's really no chronological order here, so we'll uh, we'll go with Blood Tracks first. And uh, by the way, besides the the song that you heard at the beginning, the the Rush song that I play every episode now, instead of Marilyn Manson, because we're much more of a happy show now, usually. So I, I decided to take uh. the fight song out and put Take a Friend by Rush in there, in case you guys didn't know. <laughs> but um, the music and, uh, will be provided by a friend of mine's band, who has a brand new album out that uh, I will I will push more towards the end of the show. My friend Germ is in a, band, a local band called Modern Day Rippers. They just put out a new album. It's on Bandcamp and Spotify and... Uh, Apple, Apple, Apple Music, not iTunes. Apple Music, but, um, yeah. Yes, come on, come check out the Modern Day Rippers, and they would appreciate your your listening. I, I think they get a couple cents off the every listen on Spotify or something, or a cent, kind of like nice. the Su- Superman three that shit or something. I don't know exactly right. how that works. <laughs> but, uh, office yeah. space that shit. Yeah, office space that shit. But um, yeah, that you'll be hearing them. Doing their 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 punk rock music for for your ears to be listening to, but we're gonna start with Cut and Run. 
I know, and I can't run. We'll do blood tracks first, because I'm really curious what Willis has to say about this one. And we're going to go into that right after this. Everybody else is dead. This is a nightmare. Listen to me, pal. There's animals down there in the factory. Now, I don't know how many of them there are. I read you, John. Listen, I want you up here now with guns. But please stop this. End this killer. Who are you? What's going on? Why are you doing this? Who are these maniacs? Hey, Why? <laughs> Naomi Kaneda, Michael Fitzpatrick. 
Just get us the hell out of here! And Jeff Harding, Blood Tracks. Blood Tracks from 1985. Uh, it's a 4 out of 10 on your IMDb. <laughs> and uh, the plot synopsis is this. A film crew producing a rock music video decides to shoot at an abandoned factory above the snow line when an avalanche strands them, a murderous family living in the factory attacks them and kills many of them. This stars a whole bunch of people you probably do not know, but the music is provided by Easy Action. You yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a claim to fame. They do have a claim to fame. They, uh, they had a song that was called We Go Rocking, which I believe is actually on the soundtrack for this uh, film. It's one of the two songs they provided. And they actually sued the American band Poison because Poison ripped off uh, the chorus for We Go Rocking for I Want Action, and they successfully sued Poison. So there you go. <laughs> wow. That cheeky Brett Michaels and his diabetes. Come on now. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Lee, you brought this to the table. Um, tell us what you mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah, um, I discovered this one sort of just on accident, well, I, I was intentionally looking for, uh, I have this sub-podcast to my regular podcast where I look at soundtracks and scores, so I was looking, I was basically researching heavy metal horror movies, is what I was doing, and this came to, into my sights, and I was like, okay, this looks really interesting, because uh, the production behind this sounds really dodgy and scummy. Um, <laughs> easy action, were uh, sort of a band looking to make it in the big time and they were looking to i I guess one of the members of it saw uh kiss meets the phantom of the park and decided i need to capitalize on this shit i need to make a movie for our band and that will launch us into the stratosphere so unfortunately they didn't have money so they they hooked up with the director here matt's helge olsen and at the time when they hooked up with him uh olsen was in prison uh, he he is he is a pretty renowned low budget filmmaker uh, who ran into some financial difficulties. Um, so he's kind of a he's kind of like uh, Charles Band, except he got caught. I guess is is probably the best way to put it. And so he was in prison for a while, and but he worked cheap, and so they put this movie together. And my God, this is this is if if you like bad horror movies from the eighties. This is probably something that should be in your wheelhouse. This is something that you should probably check out. Um, there, there's there's actually a lot of things to enjoy in this, and then there's just a lot of terrible shit in this film, too. <laughs> and I actually kind of feel bad bringing this one to the table for the podcast, because I, I, it, it just came into my brain when you asked me. It's like, so just a second film. All right. I'm actually um, more... Um, more enamored by the fact that you actually managed to work in a theme with cut and run that I didn't even foresee. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was that bad though, but, um, Willis, what do you think, sir? I was watching this. I'm like, what the hell y'all got me watching? But it was a fun little dumb movie. I give it that. Some of the special effects were wonky as all hell, but I know they was on a shoestring budget and, they didn't really give you any explanation why the children turn out retarded by the time they got older. That didn't make any sense to me because it wasn't like they was living in a, a old abandoned 
nuclear power plant or something. They was just in the old rusty ass. Um, I guess that was an iron mill or something like that. Uh, I don't I think know. I think I think it's supposed to be like a power plant or something like it, it's it's kind of it's kind of dodgy depending on what description you find for this film. But it's like yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, there's exposition at the start of the film. You you get the opening scene. And then they move on, and it's like 40 years later, the family lived in this factory for that long. It was like, are you kidding me? 40 years? The kids, uh, the kids got older, and the mothers stayed the same age. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, they, and, and basically all their faces turn into oatmeal. Like, they get all sores and stuff over them. I, you know, I understand bad hygiene, but I don't no, think it would be I, I, I like that, that factor because it's, it's almost like they were terribly frostbitten. Yeah, and okay, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't know how to do the makeup, but I got it. I got I got with why their faces are all <laughs> fucked up, you know. But but you got to you got to accept the premise that uh, that basically in the opening, uh, the mother her husband comes home drunk and starts abusing her, and she ends up killing him, and then they she takes off of the kids. So where does she go? She doesn't go to child services. She doesn't go to a homeless shelter. She doesn't go to the cops. She runs to an abandoned factory and lives there for sons for the next. 40 years, quote-unquote. Uh, okay, so you, you got to accept that, and then you switch immediately to these, um, this band and their uh, very, very slutty groupies with their incredibly poodled hairdos from the 1980s. you, you got to love that. The, like, the, the big hair on display in this film is uh, magnificent. Like, no. I, I, I don't think where, I've... That's where the budget went, Aqua Nuts, see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, there, there is a lot of charm to this. I mean, I even the film itself doesn't list who half the characters are in the credits. As far as they just list the actors' names and they don't give you the characters' names, and they don't give it to you in IMDb. So you're basically watching all these people and you don't give a fuck who they are. You're just waiting for them to be killed, and luckily most of them do get killed. They're, they're this this film fucking um, touts a body count of eighteen. So it's I all that, that's all on screen too, you know. Yeah, I I think I think that might be better than Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. I think that's a higher body count. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty goddamn good. And I mean, the only honestly, the only problems of this film that you know, and on te- on a technical level, uh, Olsen isn't that great of a director as far as uh, stringing scenes together, and. There is no lighting on this film. Like they couldn't afford lighting on this film. <laughs> no, I, I I think myself that it was filmed intentionally that way just to hide their bad effects. Because there's could be. there's that one thing, that one scene where bootleg Nikki Six is gonna get, take that girl into the factory <laughs> and get some loving, and like he gets like pulled away, and then all of a sudden the bad guy teleports to the top to the upper level and just drops his terrible looking bloody head decapitated head on the on the ground mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks really shitty but if if they lighted that well it would it would have looked all that much worse yeah that's true but um will it anything else you you, you know I, i'm <laughs> <laughs> i just like the fact that <laughs> the um sometimes you could tell the difference between <laughs> The guys and the girls no, and the rock and roll band <laughs> because of how aquanetic their hair was. So sometimes I looked up and I was like, man, are they doing a lesbian scene? Is those? Oh, that's a girl <laughs> and a guy. My bad. So. That's, tr- that's true because they, they 
I mean, I, it must have been in the uh, it must have been in the deal that Easy Action's like, okay, this is the movie that's going to get us into the big time, and we want to get a lot of groupies out of this. So Easy Action is displaying their uh, butt cheeks for the camera many times in this film. So half the time you're like, you see these slender uh, butt cheeks, uh, you know, shots from behind, and you're like, is that? one of the groupies or is that easy action i can't quite tell <laughs> and then of course you get well depending on uh what you're into you get uh incredibly disgusted all of a sudden when you're like oh shit i really like that ass until it turned around and it was uh the drummer for easy action uh shit <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah the, i mean i've seen thousands of slasher films and this is not the worst one like this is a as far as a ripoff of the hills have eyes and that's, i would even that's argue, what it I would, is basically yeah yeah and I, I would even argue uh uh death slash raw meat from mm-hmm. the 1970s sort of the same idea um i mean it capitalizes on that pretty good and it does a fairly good job um olsen was hired because his films he he does a good job of making uh, basically Sweden look like other places and I mean you can kind of buy this as Colorado I mean snow is snow yeah right oh one of my favorite parts of the whole film was when they're they're gonna film the video and like just just the, the audacity of them saying oh we're we're gonna make this video it's just like any other 80s video that's not like a concert video you ever saw but like <laughs> ch- churned down terribly because they're like tumbling in the snow and then all of a sudden they have their guitars and the one looks like he's playing, and he just takes his hand off the neck and just, just mm-hmm. keeps strumming along like he's playing something, but he's obviously not, you know? Yeah, they, they all hit their poses. It's like, for, for, for what it's worth, Easy Action does a decent job in this. I mean, they're not actors, but as far as, you know... They're not, uh, they're not bad at all. No, and, and they, they manage not to look directly in the camera. That's the biggest sin, and they don't do that, so you got to give them credit there. And, I mean, they were probably having fun doing the sex scenes that they basically all get to do in the film. <laughs> you, you got some naked women gyrating over you. Um, there's the, uh, there's the sex scene in the limo when the avalanche happens and, uh, <laughs> and the girl freaks out when a oh, bunny yeah. rabbit shows up in the limo with them and with all the snow. Uh, that, that was funny. Um, yeah, there, there is a charm to this that I really like, and uh, that's kind of why it sort of stuck in my mind when you asked me to suggest something else to pair on this podcast. So uh, it, it, it was it was uh, a lot of fun. Um, I, I think this, honestly, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched um, any of the Blind Dead films. Have you guys seen any any of those? I've tried. I just couldn't get into them. Okay, so there's 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 one in the series that is renowned as the worst one. It's called. Uh, it's known as Horror of the Zombies in North America when it was initially released, but it's also the Ghost Galleon. Oh yeah, and I've that has, that. yeah, and that has a similar premise of you know, uh, not necessarily uh, groupies, but models put in peril, and so it, it kind of has the same feeling. I feel like this would be like a great double bill with the Ghost Galleon because it, it's a it's a bad movie that has basically a bunch of girls in skimpy clothes being put in peril and running around. And a lot of nonsense. So, <laughs> I love that um, that amongst these forty years, they they they've set up these booby traps for anybody who would come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's the last half an hour of Predator or something. You know, <laughs> come on, ugly, come on. 
and even even at the end they do get to the chopper. So I guess I guess it kind yeah. of yes, you know. Oh my God. Yeah, and, it, and all all the characters are assholes. So even like the surviving guys, like get us the fuck out of here. It's like it, there's there's no like uh, heartwarming kind of end to it or anything. Like you, you you care about these guys. This is like yeah, your your chopper could crash. As far as I'm concerned, I don't give a fuck. Right. Everybody else is dead too, <laughs> which the kills is them are are pretty phenomenal in a lot of ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, does, it doesn't really cut away from anything. Well, we get a lot more not cut away stuff in the next movie. Because that's just fucking yeah. gross. But uh, yeah, <laughs> they they did, and I don't, I don't, I'd imagine the budget was was minuscule. Yeah, but but I feel that they did what they could with the budget they had, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it for that reason. Because you could tell that a lot of love went into, went into to, to this film, as far as you know. I, I doubt easy action is seeing an easy dollar out of this movie. At all? No, but, uh, no. They saw they saw no. They, I'm, I'm pretty sure they sunk money into this and never saw it come back. They, they, they probably had to make it back after they sued Poison. Uh, that's probably where they got their money back. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's on YouTube. It's it's shot on video. It looks really crappy. So I would recommend watching it on a big screen TV. So, like mm-hmm. I said, the, the lighting w- was was purposefully bad. Purposefully bad, I think, because <clears throat> the 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 effects they had were were, were not great, especially. Like we, you mentioned the welts on their faces and stuff, because mm-hmm. they've been frostbitten so bad because they've been in the snow for forty years and yada yada yada. But well, the, they, but I'm sorry, they looked like pizza though. They did, they did, and it was it was it was it was bad. But like I said, the lighting was bad, so you didn't see, you didn't see a ton of it. Yeah, it but, looked like they had oatmeal pe- packed on their face. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, um, it is. A, I'm sorry. Um, so I was just going to mention uh, the the director actually has a cameo in this. He's the first guy who gets killed, uh, the caretaker who walks into the factory there or whatever. Yeah, and then and gets killed. And he he actually, of course, he's a director, so he at least gets to have a semi badass moment where he gets to beat up one of the cannibals before he gets taken down. <laughs> Naturally, I um, could. All I got to say is I can somewhere see in one of them foreign countries that be having. Bootleg tapes having on there, hills of the hills, the hills have eyes. Part five, blood tracks. <laughs> I, I that's that's man. I should have checked that on IMDb to see if there was an alternate title that did that because that would just be perfect. That would solidify this perfectly. Yeah, they they they've done that constantly. Just I did it. Twitch, they, somebody mentioned Twitch the Defner was called uh, Last House on the Left Two in, yeah. in this country like forever and yeah it came out it came out in America before Last House on the Left as well <laughs> but it was called Last House on the Left Part Two man the, the the shit they pulled for the drive-in market is just crazy man have yeah, a good time you know I I rec- I'd recommend watching this it's, it's it, it yeah it's fun it it, it is a lot of fun. And yeah, it's it's really a film of its time, you know, to to, to that niche VHS market. To, to or if you right. saw the cover, you'd pick it up and you get it home. Like, man, it's kind of mediocre, but you know, I've already spent my two dollars, so let's let's <laughs> give it a watch, you know. And this is this is right in there. Yeah. So I, I got to appreciate the, the 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 that Heyman hustle, if you will, you know. <laughs> but um. I think we talked a lot about this film already, so I'm going to put it to Willis first. Willis, what is your rating 1 to 10? Well, 
since it was a fun movie and I didn't really have no complaints about it, I give it a six. Fair enough, Lee. Yeah, you know, I gotta, th- I gotta pretty much throw in there as well as uh, with Willis there. I- I'd say a six. I mean, there's a lot of fun to be had in this one, enough to you know make it more than just a bare recommendation. So um, it-, it is worth checking out, and I mean. You got to check it out on YouTube. So honestly, that's probably the optimum way to do it. If this if this doesn't have any DVD releases, it doesn't at least not in America. It has no Blu-ray releases. It probably never will. And that's it's probably all the better for it, honestly. Because if this was on Blu-ray, it would just look like garbage. So uh, check it out on YouTube and have some fun, have some beers, hang out with friends, put on the big screen, and uh, chill out. Blood tracks. Yeah, I, I really yep. enjoyed. I Blood enjoyed. Tracks. Yes, <laughs> I, re- I really enjoyed it as well. But it, it is it is a six out of ten. I think it's better than middle of the road. It's 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 uh, it's my kind of garbage. So that's that's basically what I'll tell you. Oh my god! But next up, we're gonna go on to uh, Italy or wherever they filmed this film at. It's a uh, Ruggiero Diodato has filmed a film called Cut and Run. And uh, we're going to get into that right after this.
civilization has introduced countless evils to this mysterious jungle, but not terror. Because here, terror was born. And here, terror will live. As long as outsiders dare to enter the savage wilderness, two reporters stumble into a troubled paradise up running for their lives. We can't just sit here, Mark. We'd be asking for it. Because beneath the sheer beauty lies a world of utter madness. Today's headlines erupt in a timeless thriller. Your journey ends here. Cut and run. It's the one story you won't see on the 6 o'clock news. Uh, Cut and run from 1985 again. We do a lot of these same year shows. Uh, 5.9 on your IMDb. Uh, Plot synopsis is this. A reporter and her cameraman connect a surviving Jonestown leader and a TV exec's missing son to a drug war where jungle installations are being massacred by an army of natives and a skilled white assassin. Uh, this is this stars a bunch of folks you might know, uh, including uh, Lisa Blount, who you've seen in Prince of Darkness and Blind Fury and s- some other great films that you, you you've probably seen. Uh, Willie Ames, of course, from from Charles in Charge and Eight Is Enough and Zapped and yeah. Bible Man, if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> oh my God. Leonard Mann, who you might have seen in, like, Night School, and uh, a lot of genre people in this movie. Flowers mm-hmm. in the Attic. It's it's a... Uh, who else? We got, we got Richard Lynch, of course, who you've seen in yep. lots and lots of stuff. Eric LaSalle er- was in the movie. Eric LaSalle. We're going to talk about that outfit in a minute, buddy. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Michael Berryman, who you've seen in tons of stuff, including The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. There's Karen Black is in this movie momentarily. Special guest Karen Black. <laughs> oh my god. This was uh, directed by Ruggiero Diodato, like I said. Score all sent out by Claudio Simonetti of Goblin yep. fame and doing all those scores that Willis hates for those Italian films, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But I'm going to I'm gonna let Willis take the lead on this one. Willis, what did you think about Cut and Run, sir? I'm like, is this, this supposed to be an action movie, a horror movie, a cult movie? I don't think this movie knew what the fuck was going on with its DNA. But I was just like, is Michael Berryman supposed to be an Indian person or what? Because he sure is hanging out with them a lot. I don't know what the hell going on. I knew it was a plot trying to find somebody's son. And that's about it. But at least the goal was good. Even though I saw a couple of doll heads, that's about it. <laughs> Lee, I really enjoyed this. Um, fucking yeah, uh, Willis is really uh, on point here. Where it's like it's really hard to know what this movie's trying to be because there's just so much plot going on. I mean, th- it seems like they're this was supposed to be a Wes Craven script that was basically abandoned and, and picked up. Uh, by Diodato. So Diodato, you can, it feels like he was injecting his own stuff into this uh, that's sort of counter to what originally was supposed to be in it. 
um, because you know Diodato, he was he was doing the the uh, last Cannibal World slash Jungle Holocaust from '77. Then he did Cannibal Holocaust, and after Cannibal Holocaust and the whole court case stuff, he was kind of out of the industry for a little while. I think he did um, something Atlantis or something like that. Just some other like nominal Italian film that had nothing to do with his previous work. And then he picked this up and he was trying to inject his, uh, his sort of brand of gore and violence and stuff again into this. But at the same time, it's like an action movie. It, it feels like, uh, almost like, um, Rambo or, uh, Delta force or missing in action or something along those lines to a certain degree. Um, but I do, I do like a lot of stuff in this. It, it is like toned down Diodato. Like it's very toned down from his usual stuff. Uh, one bonus here, no animal cruelty. You know, you're not seeing like animals actually being killed on screen and tortured. So that's a plus for me. I, I actually like that. Um, and where he does bring the violence, he brings it pretty hardcore. Um, I love Michael Berryman in this, although Willis again is on point here where it, it's, they don't really explain things like they don't explain exactly who Berryman is. Cause he's got this weird name. Like you think, okay, he's the white assassin that's, that's, uh, working for, uh, Richard Lynch, but his name is like Quicho or Quacho or something. Uh, so you're kind of wondering, is he Indian or is he white? And then there's this other guy in, uh, Lynch's group that is a white guy who's also an assassin. So it's kind of confusing in that regard. Um, I don't know how Willie Ames got into this film, uh, <laughs> but but he, he he Willie Ames apparently thought, okay, here's where I'm going to do a lot of cocaine and act the shit out of my part. I'm just going to act up a fucking storm in this film, and well, he tries. I'll give him that. He tries, but uh, man, Willie Ames is a badass wearing a Mickey Mouse t- Mickey Mouse T-shirt. Not too convincing for me, but it, it is fun to, to see at the same time, just as a sort of a curiosity. Because you, cause you uh, never see that with other Willie Ames, so it was, it, was, it was kind of special in that way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's just fun to see Richard Lynch here. Like, he's pretty good in this for the small part he has. Like, he's essentially uh, a Colonel Kurtz character in this, like, just from uh, Apocalypse Now, same kind of deal. And I, I do like how they tried to tie this into um, the uh, Jonestown Massacre, and it has a bit of a um, almost a Rockefeller uh, feel to it, too. Like, there, there was one of the, the Rockefellers got lost in, in South America, and they, they assume he was eaten by cannibals or whatever. So I'm, I'm kind of assuming the Willie Ames disappearance thing that's part of the storyline is kind of playing off that to a certain degree. Um, and yeah, like, it's a Diodato film that doesn't go as far as Diodato did in the past. Like there, there's no cannibalism in this film, even though, uh, depending on where you see a discussion of this film, some people will say they're cannibals and some people will say they're not. But, um, I think this is a really good mismatch. Like this is late period Italian exploitation. Like it actually is pretty late period for Italian exploitation at this point. And it's probably Diodato's last really good film. Uh, after this, he just kind of fell off the map. So, um, uh, I think it's really worth checking out just, just for that. It's a, it's a really nice curiosity and it's got some interesting stuff in it. Yeah. I think that the reason why they, they played that Jonestown thing up so much is that Richard Lynch, who, who was supposedly like some kind of lieutenant of, of Jim Jones, supposedly is, uh, 
trying to make his own Jonestown, but not so much with that mm-hmm. old-time religion, but with cocaine. Right. G- get all the natives addicted to blow, so they'll essentially do whatever you want for the do whatever they want for you, and including bump off the competition, which is essentially what their role is, and the the um, the, the white warriors' role is. Michael Berryman is just to go it fuck people up and steal their blow. Yeah. So Richard Lynch could be all that much more richer, and you know, and keep these folks, these uh, these bare ass savages who. <laughs> Are awful rapey in parts, but then again, all the dudes in that camp are pretty rapey. You get that one scene where the girl gets raped, but then right. you feel real bad for her, but then you get real happy because she's got a nice ass when she's taking that shower, and you know it's yep. uh, very nice. But <laughs> I feel very confl- I feel very conflicted. Yes, very yes, conflicted. My, my, my dick doesn't know what to think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, I, I thought the gore uh, in so, some points were on point where we're I, Michael Berryman is. Uh, is it Michael Berryman who who disembowels that guy? I forget which which guy, either him or the other white guy. Get that slice across the belly, you just see the entrails just falling out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think that was Berryman, yeah. That looked really good. I really enjoyed Berryman's, uh, his bone <laughs> spear thing that sticks through people's heads, and that's really neat. Berryman comes, he just explodes on screen right in the first scene of the film, so he stays with you the whole time, so... There's a lot to talk about about Berryman in this film because he's there from the beginning. He's there at the very end because it has one of those, oh, we're, we're going to get away. And then all of a sudden, there's Berryman in the plane because you didn't see him die. You've got to remember that, you know. <laughs> and he uh, gets a bukkake finish. He does get a bukkake <laughs> finish, yes. <laughs> oh, but the film itself, Willie, everybody was fine. Eric mm-hmm. LaSalle shows up in this movie. Wearing yeah. this 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 suit that I can never pull off. Look, he's going to, to prom in 1986 <laughs> with the purple ruffles and the the hat. You know, easy. <laughs> yeah, he's either he's either that or um, uh, what what what's that uh, band? Uh, Prince was against in Purple Rain. Uh, oh, the time. Yeah, time. <laughs> More stay in the time. Maybe maybe he was trying out for that band. Could be. You know. But he was fine. He was kind of like the huggy bear of the movie. He, he he laid it out for them to play it out, and he essentially gets thrown in front of a train, which is like, no, why why him? You know, he's <laughs> such a snappy dresser. You know, <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, the the um, the film itself. I think that lo- I don't know where they filmed this film, but it seemed like the locations were on point. I don't know, uh, I, Florida. In Florida, was, yeah, yeah, that makes sense now because they had so many. Real reptiles hanging around. They, and... they had, yeah, they had the wrong. Al- they had the wrong. Uh, like they're supposed to be alligators, but they're uh, they're what what are uh, native to Florida, which is a different breed. Crocodiles, but, uh, or... uh, it's it's a caimans or something like that. I oh, think okay. are what they're supposed to be. But yeah, the uh, my my friend Paul pointed that out. I, I showed him this film, and he's like, "They have the wrong goddamn reptiles." It was obviously <laughs> shot in Florida. I was like, okay. <laughs> But yeah, like like maybe we mentioned the Simonetti score, which is just what you want out of Simonetti score. It's 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 heavy synth and it hits yeah. you in, in more in the beginning than anywhere else. You know, because you get that opening scene where the woman's traveling with the blow and the fake baby, and you know, <laughs> yeah, that's that that is unfortunately when Simonetti's score shines. That and probably the battle scenes that you see in this movie. Which you know, once once these un- unskilled white folks kick guns, much like in the last film, 
Mm-hmm. It's like one shot, one kill. You know. <laughs> I, I love yeah, I the, love that line that in the, in the blood tractor goes. Oh, you should have enough bullets in this gun to kill an army. It's like, yep, one shot, boom, one kill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't aim a gun all that well, dummy. You can't shoot that rifle that well. Odds are you shoot yourself in the foot first. You know. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. There, there's yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff to love in this film. Like you said, it's it's post exploitation, so mm-hmm. it, it, it's made for the. Obviously made for like that that VHS market. Yeah, this is an obvious American production for the most part. Like you can, you can, because you can you can see there's American money in here, and there's a lot of American actors in here. So it's 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 pretty obvious where this production was going, and um, how Diodato had to probably compromise quite a bit. Well, that's where your that's where your star is, Willie Ames, because he's mm-hmm. like, he's like in '85. I think it was the time to be Willie Ames. Yeah, apparently this is the height of him, like just starting to get into his cocaine binge. Apparently, there's uh, there's stories of him being a major asshole on this production, like just breaking breaking up fucking hotel rooms and just being a dick on on set. Oh wow! Yeah, but yeah, um, cut and run. I'll ask Willis. Uh, anything else you want to say about the film, sir? Well, it had the right title, Cut and Run, because the show was a lot of cutting in it. (laughs) (laughs) So, once I figured out what was going on after the whole thing was trying to find the son, it made a little bit more sense. But I didn't figure out why he killed himself at the end. That didn't make any sense. Well, that was the whole Jim Jones thing. He was trying to be new Jim Jones, but with cocaine instead of uh, Jeebus. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but nobody else killed himself after he chopped his head off. Got his oh, head cut off. Normally, if it was a Jim Jones type thing, all the little natives would have been either drinking some Kool-Aid or chopping their heads off. So it seemed like he just killed himself for nothing. Well, he he honestly he probably should have went for the cool the uh, the Kool-Aid route. That that probably would have been more acceptable, but. I mean, when when you look at it this way, if Jim Jones had cut his head off in front of his followers, a lot of them probably wouldn't have done that. I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> right? This motherfucker's crazy. Yeah, it's like fuck this guy. <laughs> oh my god! But um, anything else you want to say about it? That's it for me. Well, Lee, anybody with Lee? I should put Lee at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is um a surprisingly good like. Late period Italian exploitation. Uh, I think it, it it doesn't have a lot of the uh, the gritty, really bad stuff that you see in uh, Diodato's earlier works. But of course, you do have that. Um, depending on what version of this you see, of course, uh, if if you find the Anchor Bay version of this, which had the restored scenes that are you know they're they're jarringly of a lesser quality, but they're inserted into the film anyway. There's that one bisection scene where the guy gets torn apart like right at the crotch uh oh, wow. oh, yeah. that, that that was in the version we watched okay i forgot yeah, about that scene that, that i was just like oh oh uh, flashback to seeing bone tomahawk a year and a half ago or whatever oh, you know yeah. like jeez but and that was really well done um i think this works really well i it, it has a lot of fun stuff you can see the west craven connection here with michael berryman being in it mm-hmm. uh he was probably obviously on board when craven was originally doing this up um, yeah, I think it works. I think the acting's decent enough for this sort of thing. Uh, 
it, it maybe doesn't have the strongest narrative kind of flow that you would kind of hope for. And it, and again, it doesn't have quite the grittiness of uh, cannibal Holocaust, but if you're, if you're looking for a action film in the jungle slash horror elements into it, I think this is one you try, probably check out. It, it's a bit of a lost uh, little gym in the rough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> that leg splitting scene. Like, oh, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. All of a sudden he loosens something, grip, like, oh, I just made things worse. You know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's gross. Yeah, good time. I've been meaning to cover this film. I'm probably like one of the 31 days of riding beef shows or something that never lasts 31 days, but it was on one of those lists, and I'm covering it now, and I I can't, I gotta say that I'm not disappointed in this, uh, this action picture with some 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 savagery in it, and um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. And I'll ask Willis what is his rating, one to ten. Since it was so gory, which I enjoyed immensely, I give this one a seven. Cool, Lee. I got to throw an eight at this one. Uh, I w- I was pleasantly surprised with it. Um, it had a lot of really good stuff in it, and um, I think honestly, it, it just gets an extra point for me just because it's an Italian exploitation film sort of set in the jungle that does not have animal cruelty in it, which is a big plus for me. That that just kind of... That, that, that makes me love your film a lot more if you're not actually, like, killing turtles on screen and shit. Like, okay, so that's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, you get an extra point. So, 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, yeah, I'm right there. I'll probably go in the middle. I'll go to 7.5, and, a half and I, I enjoy the exploitation stuff that's still in there, including Full Bush in, in a film that came out in the mid, mid-80s, which... Right. It's not something you see a lot in the mid '80s. So, if you like girls, if you like to see full pelt, you know, you get that at the very beginning of this film. But it's very, very gross because the, the 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 natives are, are pegging her down to this dock. So, like, I, I I'm assuming to rape her, but they get shut down. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bear, Bearman shuts it down. He's like, "No, we're not going to rape these women. We're just going to chop them to pieces." Yes, because <laughs> the savage has to have his standards and. Berryman's, yeah. uh, Berryman's all business, so... He, he's, he's a principled psychopath. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but 7.5 out of 10. I, I recommend checking it out. It's not... I'm sure you could get it... Uh, I'm sure the Anchor Bay disc is highly out of print. You, yeah, the Anchor Bay disc is probably a little hard to come by. Uh, I would recommend to the listeners, if they're not familiar with this website, uh, it's called Rare Lust. Um, it has an amazing assortment of just hard to find movies from the VHS era, exploitation, horror, drama, everything. Uh, you do, you do be warned. You kind of need like a fast connection if you want to download these things. Cause it usually comes in like uh, two part uh, RAR files. But if, if you want to find a lot of this stuff, uh, rare lust is a great place to find a lot of hard to get movies. So cool. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, Crazy indoors bootlegging, but I, you know, I have a fire stick, and some stuff is harder to find than other things, mm-hmm. including it's, this It's film. a good, yeah, it's a good spot. Like we found a lot of movies for our podcast that we otherwise couldn't have found anywhere from Rare Lust. It's just a lot of good out of print stuff too. That's just not available anywhere else unless you want to pay eight thousand dollars on eBay oh, for it. It's terrible. I know, right? And then that that Blu-ray comes out and just sh- shoots those values down to hell, and you feel like, yeah, yeah. 
like those people that want like eighty dollars for a, a Space Camp DVD, a used one, and then hey, Kino's putting it out. And there they go, just dropping like a bad stock, you know. <laughs> yeah, this this one definitely needs a Blu-ray. Like Arrow should be jumping on this if they could find it and clean up the uh, cl- clean up the uh, Anchor Bay version. See if they can find some masters somewhere and and clean shit up. That'd be that'd be good. Sure, Arrow or eighty eight films or God forbid mm-hmm. if, if Scream Factory stops putting out uh, Darkman sequels on Blu-ray, they, they might get on something like this. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that that's just me. That doesn't need Darkman sequels on Blu-ray. Yeah, you know? oh, I agree. Um, that's about it, and we'll be back right after this to do some other stuff and close out the show. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. That ghoul friend of mine makes me so crazy. She told me she thought she'd look good in something long and flowing. So I threw her in the Mississippi. Are you seeking discussion of horror on the small screen? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast. Join your hosts, Mike Merriman, Brian Sammons, Jamie Sammons, and a large variety of guests as we break down all the favorites and not-so-favorites in horror TV. So grab a snack. Oh, wow! And of course, be sure to grab. And join us for Evil Episodes Podcast on the Horror Feeling Network and Legion Network of Podcasts. All right. You guys know anybody that passed away that you guys want to talk about? Because I'm going to do this. Uh... This why this this uh why why not Stan Lee segment, which is my my brand new death segment. If you guys have something to talk about, I was gonna bring up Toby Hooper for sure. No, nobody else that I care about passed away recently, is sure. besides um Romero, but that's old. Yeah. All right, we'll go back into this in uh three, two, one. All right, guys, I don't want to do this at the beginning of the show, so I decided to throw this on at the end of the show. Since we're winding down, why not come down a little bit and say, you know, when people die in this world and some people who are money-grubbing, character-stealing cocksuckers are still allowed to live, (laughs) in a new segment called Why Not Stan? Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. 
And I don't want to get too sticky about this. We're still talking about comic books. <laughs> Referring to, of course, you know, one Stan Lee. Uh, I don't have a ton of people to talk about. So I'm, none of the folks have really been dropping off like flies. But I think one major one that we haven't talked about in this program yet that passed away is uh, one of the great masters of horror. And that, that term is used so loosely now. But this guy has, has earned it in, in, in spades. Uh, one Toby Hooper uh, has left us, and um, I heard that he was not well for, for a while there. He had some pro- some domestic problems that made all that made yeah. that all much worse. And um, but uh, now be the time. I'm gonna, I'll go to Willis first. Willis, what is uh, some good memories you have of Mister Toby Hooper? Well, I remember watching Chainsaw when I really got into horror movies, and I was like, man, this joint is awesome. You barely see anything, but it's still awesome. And then I grew up watching Poltergeist, because that was the HBO um, mainstay for years. You could cut on the TV early in the morning, Poltergeist be on. By the evening, it'd be playing back on again. And they did that for years on HBO. And one of my other favorite Hooper movies that people don't talk about is Life Force. Uh, that's some off the wall shit and I love watching that joint you had to go way back to listen to the episode but we we covered that once on this show and that is a film that doesn't know what it wants to be because that was that very special time where he was fueled by cocaine he was just making insane shit yeah (laughs) but again full frontal nudity you know so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Matilda May god damn thank you very much (laughs) <laughs> what about you, Lee? Yeah, I love Toby Hooper. Uh, I don't care what anyone says about... Uh, uh, there's plenty of people to say he was, you know, a flash in the pan kind of guy. And, I mean, I'd, I, I'd put the same argument here that I'd put with George Romero. If George Romero had only made Night of the Living Dead, he would still be regarded as an all-time classic director who, who changed things dramatically. And I, I would say the same thing for Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I think his follow-ups to it you know in the subsequent years were excellent as well and I even really do like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 I I enjoy it um, and I, I, I do like knowing that that's kind of what he had intended for the first one anyway he was trying to make the first one a black comedy more than anything else and it just didn't quite go that way uh, it became more of a harrowing uh, almost documentary style horror film to a certain degree. And um, I love his work early on. Uh, he sort of fizzled out and I think cocaine had a lot to do with that. He probably burnt some bridges that you know, he could never rebuild. Uh, but I mean, man, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw 2, Eaten Alive, Life Force, uh, Poltergeist, depending on which story you go for. I, I kind of, I kind of think he's, Probably he was just a placeholder for uh, Spielberg because Spielberg wasn't allowed to direct two films in the same year. Uh, but who cares? Uh, at least he showed up and earned a paycheck and and, and did a solid. So uh, you, you got to appreciate that. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Toby Hooper. You were a master of horror. It's without doubt. Yeah, yeah, icon man, icon one hundred percent. Like you guys mentioned, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That the first one is. As iconic as you can get, and, and as far as the way modern horror is done now, and, and, and beyond, you know, mm-hmm. 
He did it with with no blood because I hear he was trying to get a PG rating. <laughs> this right. this is what I heard. <laughs> yep, not, that's true. I'm yeah. not gonna pull that off, but you know, to to each their own. But the first Hooper I ever saw was uh, that Invaders from Mars remake. Oh yeah, yeah. Which um is still pretty great. I watched it like last week. I didn't mention it in what I've been watching lately, but um it 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 seems really silly, but it's got a great cast. It's got a great mm-hmm. effects team. John Dykstra, who worked on Star Wars and, and other things, and he, he, you had uh, Stan Winston making creatures mm-hmm. that that still look pretty great today. I think. And um, no, that that film does hold up. It, it, it does hold up pretty well, I think. Uh, that, that's one I used to watch all the time as a kid. That was a constant VHS rental for me. I actually don't know why I don't own it on DVD right now. I'm, I'm a stupid idiot, apparently. Um, but also, Salem's Lot. Yeah, that was his, too. Yeah. Yep. I forgot to mention that one, but I, yeah, that's one of his, too. Like you said, Texas Chainsaw 2 was... Uh, I think that people complain about it, saying that, oh, it's, it got so silly... Yeah, but he knew. He, I think, at the same time, he knew the market he was in, to where he, he yeah, we, we he, made, he made that he made that bad shit. And hey, he gave Rob Zombie a career in movie making because mm-hmm. Rob Zombie ripped off that film for every film he's made, basically. So, right. P- people mentioned that you know that you know oh it's so silly, but he he knew that the exploitation days were pretty much over, so it was time to get into this this other market to where. Let's let's much what make films that the young people will enjoy of today, and right. it fit right in there w- with anything else that came out around that time. Mm-hmm. Not that it was a dime a dozen or anything, but it it did it, it did fit in in that that realm of film. But Invaders Invaders Vader from Mars, I I'd say that's a perfect gateway film for any any parent to show their young horror fan. Agreed. And that that yeah that freaked me out enough as a kid too. It was like you know I, I saw that really young. And that that was one of the first like movies that kind of freaked me out a little bit and got me more interested in horror. So, and people talk about like the Monster Squad and which is don't get me wrong, I'm not dissing the Monster Squad, you know, but I think Invaders from Mars is, is just as good to, to show a young a young budding horror fan that that uh that this is this is t- tame enough but scary enough to 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 watch. I mentioned that. The, the the shot of Louise Fletcher sucking down that frog still freaked me out to oh, this day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks yeah, really, no, that, it looks really fake now, but it, it's still pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good that's a good gateway drug. You know, it's it's comparable to uh, the TV series V, where they're eating the mice and shit. That's oh like, yeah, you know. yeah, that was that was more cartoony though because they they unhinged their jaw and stuff. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, it's so silly. But um, yeah, at this point of the show. Um, we have nobody else to talk about right now, really. I'm sure I'm leaving a bunch of people out. I want to include, like, musicians and stuff like that in this, too, because music, if you guys have listened to the show all these years, have played a pretty big, pretty big role in my life, too, so I think musicians, which, uh, I forget the guy's name, but I'm not a big Steely Dan fan. The, yeah, the other... I was about to say, uh, he's the only one I can think of right now. Right. One of, the, one of those guys passed away, so rest in peace. Uh, it's not the voice of Steely Dan, but the other guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, rest in peace, that guy. But I'm not a giant it, it, fan. It, it was Dan, not Steely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll ask Lee. Uh, you've never been on the show before, so tell the folks about your podcast and stuff. Yeah, so my podcast is called "They Must Be Destroyed on Sight." You can find it at tmbdos.podbean.com, and 
we tend to do a little bit of everything. I, I guess we do kind of focus on sort of horror and genre films. Like we do a lot of film noir and uh, we do uh, sex comedies every once in a while. We've done quite a bit of those. Um, we, we, we try to mix things up. And, of course, we touch on like classic films and stuff like that as well. But uh, we, we just sort of do whatever sort of, uh, you know, tickles our uh, fancy. You know, we, we just... We just sort of decide, yeah, let's do this for a while. Let's do that for a while. And we tend to stay away from big blockbusters and more uh, big commercial films. But, you know, every once in a while we'll throw some stuff in. And, uh, yeah, we've just recently passed 100 episodes. And um, Congratulations, sir. Yeah. So we've, we've, been, we've been sticking at it for a while now, and we're having a lot of fun. We continue to try to put out episodes every week, although it's it's a difficult thing to do, as uh, I know you guys can also attest to. True that, true that, my friend. Yeah, but uh, if, if you're looking for uh, another yet another movie podcast to uh, fill your, your dull, pointless life, uh, check us out. Yeah, Lee, uh, I want to thank you for this. You've always been supporting the show, re- retweeting, sharing, so it's... Uh, I, I, I implore you guys to go check out They Must Be Destroyed on site, because... The, especially the last one of shows, uh, the, the Lovecraft stuff is in top notch, sure. Oh, well, thank you very much. And I mean, um, honestly, the whole support share thing, it's its more me taking cues from guys like you and Duncan McLeish, who are just all about that all the time. Like, so, so inclusive and nice and just trying to get everybody talking and having fun and doing more podcasts. So, I mean, I'm just trying to trying to pick that up and keep that kind of idea going so uh there you go yeah mcleish mcleish hates me sometimes but not not in a bad way just the fact that when i talk about films like my bloody valentine and black christmas he just thinks <laughs> like in a way i'm just trying to annoy him by how by, by me thinking how bad they are you know but, um, <laughs> <laughs> i i know i know the black christmas story i do know that one yeah I, I think i see a vein popping out of his forehead you know when i start talking about like <laughs> stuff that he loves like well there's some merit there but let, let me tell you why i don't like it you know i told him i, I really want to be out because somebody somebody put the gauntlet out there that he um that they never did werewolf werewolf films on there like you guys ever do american werewolf in london come on let me out i might have a totally different opinion of the film besides the stuff that i love about it you know <laughs> and i'm like oh i don't know I'm like just 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 come on Un- unleash the beast please come on duncan you know <laughs> Oh my God! Wild Man Willis. Yeah, where, where can they find you, my friend? Twitter page Nasty Will DC. My YouTube page Wild Man Willis reviews. The No Effing Way commentaries and the Tear True podcast. Whenever that comes back up, which I don't know when, but hopefully sooner or later. Oh, well, working on recording a a second part to this is some more behind the scenes stuff where where a couple of my Tear True brothers and sisters came on and we did a. Uh, Asian ripoff King Kong episode segment, and that was part supposed to be part of the the anniversary show that never happened because of unforeseen reasons and scheduling reasons and whatever blah blah blah. But there's going to be a second part to that, and I'll announce it here. I don't give a shit. We're we're, we're going to take Phenomena, the Dario Argento movie, and put it uh, up against uh, the um, the Kurt Russell man with his monkey film, the Barefoot Executive, the Disney movie. <laughs> and, and we pit them, pin them up against each other just to see who has a better relationship between their man and their, man and their monkey, just, just to see how that's going to work out. And oh well, 
I, I think Kurt Russell wins at that one. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. kinda, I'm, I, no spoilers, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> well, Lee, you are, you are welcome to come on and discuss it if you want to, sir, you know. <laughs> I, that I, might I, be something. I know, yeah, that I, might be something. I know Willis doesn't like phenomena except the parts when the monkey comes on, so that's uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> If you, if, you, if you wait for it, uh, when the NFW commentary comes out, Willis is just busted up every time that monkey does something, so... <laughs> oh my god. But, um, yeah, me, Twitter, at GW, and at Cast, uh, Fleas and Flicks charity auction, coming your way again in December, December 2nd and 3rd. I've gotten some stuff so far for it already, I got some leftover stuff from the last auction that didn't quite go. But we're going a little bigger this year, we're gonna have a, a website... Fleasandflicks.org. You guys can go to and bid directly on the website. So it's not exclusive to Facebook. It's exclusive to anybody who wants to come and bid. I know a lot of folks straight stay away from social media. So if you're listening now and you don't like social media, go to fleasandflicks.org and go check out the items when the website is eternally ready. Because it's not quite ready yet. But by the, by the time this is released, maybe you'll be able to go on there and look at some stuff. But, um, this will be for uh, those old school website people. Like this will be on GeoCities or something like that. Oh, Angel Fire, definitely, man. You know, Angel Fire, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, on the Two Drink Venom commentaries as well. That's on Legion. You can hear me on the NFW commentaries. No fucking way commentaries. When I could uh, make it on Tuesday nights on the Horophilia Network. And Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, which is coming back very, very soon. I should be editing tomorrow, maybe, or possibly Sunday, um, for an episode to go out to, to Jason to put out. And that episode will include our lost our lost discussion on Return to Frogtown, which will be the, not the final appearance, but the final appearance for a while of Eric Bergstrom and uh, my new co-host, Tim Gross. We discussed that on there. And also the gate two trespassers, so it'll be a uh-huh. double, it'll be a double bill for you people to, to listen to, and uh, we got lots of plans for that show. I just haven't executed them yet because you know I've been sick most of the summer, and that's been just killing me, you know, is <laughs> is as far as motivation goes. But uh, once once that train gets a rolling, we're we're gonna uh, we discussed doing the the Street Fighter series, not the Jean Claude Van Damme, but the Sonny Chiba series. We talked about. Oh yeah. We talk about doing Sabata. We talk about doing, and Tim. Tim has a list of sequels that he knows about that I have no idea about a mile long, and I'm looking forward to what he comes up with. This says we should cover, and I know, knowing him and his luck for Full Moon, the Puppet Master series will be discussed in, oh, it, in, its, in its entirety. I'm sure. So, <laughs> you could dedicate you could dedicate a whole like hundred episode podcast series to the Full Moon. Puppet Master films, I oh, think. Yeah. He has a daughter who's uh, who's handicapped. She 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 walks with 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 canes. I think it's with canes. And he uh, one Halloween did her up as as six shooter, and <laughs> and she looked excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because uh, she loves those films as much as he loves those films, and uh, yeah, that kin that kinship is is deep, man. You know, so I'm looking forward to collaborating with Tim and getting those those shows out to you people and. Uh, Maybe have the guys, I don't know if you guys listen to the Deuce podcast, maybe have those guys on a show or two just to do a little collaboration on, on sequel-themed podcasts, you know. Yeah, the Deuce the Deuce is good. The Deuce is good. I follow the Deuce. And, uh, but, yeah, that's that's about it here. And uh, with that, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time.
Hey, Beavers. Uh, just a show note for you guys. Um, the music you listen to on this episode is from a friend of mine's band, a local band called the Modern Day Rippers. And um, the first two tracks you heard were from an album that they did before because I'm an idiot and made a mistake. But it's called Rip It Up, Rip it Up in a Modern Way. And I think you guys should check that out. Along with their brand new album, which is called Doing the Lord's Work. That's from Self-Destructo Records that came out this year. Very recently, you guys can get in a lot of outlets. I recommend you guys check it out and support these guys if you guys like what you heard. If you didn't like what you heard, I'm sorry. It's a friend of mine, and uh, I like what he does. He's a pretty cool guy. So, But this track is from their new album, and it's called Boredom is a Killer. And boy, it is. See you guys next time.